good morning, good afternoon actually. Let me know who's tuning so that I can speak to you quickly today on something that I feel that God wants me to draw once again emphasis on. So let me know who's on. Good afternoon, good afternoon. I hope to allow us time to pray today, um, to worship. I'm believing the Holy Spirit to speak to us and the Holy Spirit to identify key things in our lives that has been um, hidden from us. What you do not know, and I, I want to take you to a scripture. The scripture will say something along the lines that in him we live. Forgive me, I know I give you scriptures, but as we speak, the Holy Spirit reminds me of certain things. In him we live. In him we move. Our whole definition is found in him. So God just so has it that he has made it that for a man to really be able to define themselves, they are going to have to be in close relationship with God. You cannot know you unless you know him. Are you hearing what I've just said to you? The things I want to say to you are very, very simple. But if your mind is, look, if your mind is occupied, it will seem complicated. But it's very, very simple. What I feel that God laid on my heart from the from last night to to this morning, and even to this moment, I was worshiping, worshiping, asking for utterance, and is at the point of we began to sing, "You reign forever." That's going to be a point, a key point I need you to hear that he reigns forever, not for a time. He reigns throughout all generations for you are a priest in the order of Melchizedek, says the scripture. I hope you're with me this morning. He says that you are an order forever. Whoever we worship is not someone allocated to a time or addressed to a time or confined to a time. He actually reigns forever. So when the scripture begins to say that it is in him we live, we breathe, we move. What I want you to see in that scripture more so is that God left the definition, the true definition of who we are. Hidden in relationship, intimacy with him. And as I speak to you today about the son, you would see that the son constantly, often will boast his intimate relationship that nobody else knows the father except the son. He says to us that nobody knows the father. Nobody knows how to interact with the father. No one knows how the father addresses things or how he acts unless you enter. And maybe this is me going ahead of myself, but unless you enter that office called the son, you cannot know him. So imagine the person that does not have it in their heart. Their, their heart's cry is... Imagine that the person's, a person's heart's cry is material things. Imagine the person whose heart cry is a relationship or a house or a car. These material things, these mundane things. No, the heart's cry of an individual, of the son, is intimacy. Do you remember... When I said to you that the reason why God, why death could not hold Christ was because above all things, 
he desired intimacy. So now I'm piling up scriptures, actually. So let's start with the scripture. Have you found that in him we live? Acts 17, please read it for me. I'll read from 27. Go on. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him. No, if we're going to say God did this, I want you to go back a bit more. Maybe start from verse 24 or so. Go on. The God who made the world and everything in it. The God who made the world and everything in it. Go on. Is the Lord of heaven and earth. Because he created all things, he is the Lord. What everything is to be. The definition of all things is defined by he who is the Lord. He who created the heavens and the earth. The Bible says he is the author of all things, but also defines or makes it clear to creation that he is the Lord. So if I want to operate in a certain way, I must have permission from the Lord. Ah, I hope you hear me today. I must have permission from the Lord to do anything. When the Bible says that we should acknowledge the Lord in all our ways, he says to us that the things that you're pursuing after, they are servants of mine. And if you want this to serve you, you must come to me, the Lord. He did this so, so that everybody may know who he is. But carry on reading because we need to go somewhere regarding the sun. Go on. The Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He does not live in temples. He's not going to become, he's not going to manifest himself. Remember what we saw about the love of God. If we enter a certain love, if we obey him, I hope you've been following everything I've been saying. If we obey him, the Bible lets us know that the son and the father will come together and live, abide in you. So he says that I will not abide in the things that you try to produce with your hands. I am looking for you. Please keep that noted for what I'm going to say to you today. You know, sometimes when you, you, for you to understand that comment more is, you believe God for a breakthrough. It's like you're trying to make him come and manifest because when the Bible says that I will come, I and the Father will come and have home, abide with you. What that is actually saying to us or what scripture was saying is that he was saying that, When you enter a certain level of love, obedience, I and the Father will come and manifest in you. No, are you hearing me? I told you if your mind is occupied, this will seem confusing. So forgive me if I repeat things because you must hear this so that you will know the eternity about you. You may know who you really are. You may know that you are not here, COD, by accident. You're not even here because you were zealous for God. No, there's something deeper. There's a propensity that has moved you into where you are today. So remember, I need you to understand this, that when Christ said, because of your love, because of your obedience, I and the Father will come and live with you, abide in you. What he was saying is that I and the Father will come and manifest in you. So you see, God now says here, the Lord of the heavens and the earth, the creator of it all says that I do not abide in temples made by human hands. Is that how he says it? So you see, you want God to manifest. You want God to reside in your business. And God says, I don't dwell there. uh, Please listen to me. I don't dwell in your business. 
I dwell in you. The Bible says that the house of Potiphar prospered. Why? Because Joseph was there. Not because he found the winning business. No, but, but God actually found the man. God found who he was looking for. So whatever Joseph's hand will now get involved in, it will now prosper. So instead of looking for God to manifest through your business, seek out that he manifests through you. Because if God finds an alakon, that finally this is a man that I can reside in, guess what? It doesn't matter the business you do alakon, it will prosper because God is manifesting himself through you. He does not manifest himself through temples built by human hands. Have you seen someone, their abode has now become their business? Before you look at the great successful entrepreneur today, look at those who cannot leave the hours of labor, of work, in hope to find success, in hope to find liberation, in hope to escape poverty. Look at our parents today. They have made, they live more in their work than they do at home. Hoping for the day that God will manifest through their work, but it will not happen because God does not dwell in temples made by human hands he dwells where go for it sir and he is not served by human hands yeah as if he needed anything he doesn't need anything from you but go on rather he gives himself rather he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else he gives everyone life and breath meaning that he is in you no i need you to hear this now Meaning that he is in you. He gives everyone life. What makes us live, I know we receive air, right? But should here not be working? If our internal place is not working, you will not live. So he says that I dwell there. I, he's saying when he says I'm the one that gives you life, he's telling you where he lives. In you. Don't forget what he did with Adam. He created Adam but then formed him. But if what he formed will come to life, he breathed himself into him. He gave himself to Adam. Carry on reading. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. Listen, whatever God is looking for, he starts by trying to find the one. You see, if he finds an Elohim, if he really does find an Elohim, what will happen is that from him he will create everything he's looking for there will be a nation all the nations from the earth you know i was reading the scripture today and for me i'm scratching my head thinking about this deeply that god says he doesn't need many people to create many you've heard this before he only needs the one my prayer as we go into the place of prayer later my prayer is that God will finally find his man. And you know, this has been an ongoing topic. So you can only imagine that God is still looking for the man because you would see where this man is or the characteristics of this man. And so that I don't go ahead of myself, actually. Carry on, carry on. Go and on. he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Go back the verse again. From one man, he made all the nations. From one man, he made all the nations. 
go on that they should inhabit the whole earth that they should inhabit the whole earth go on and he marked out their appointed times in history he gave he allotted time and space to each of them you know god just went from speaking about one man to talking about many now i will need you to remember that for as we progress because Without me, I don't want to go ahead of myself so that you don't misunderstand or you don't miss what God is trying to say to you. From one man, he created all the nations. He says that, go on, what did he say? From one man, he made all the nations, go on. That they should inhabit the whole earth. That they should inhabit, that they should have a place. Yeah, go on. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Now he marked out for them. To a Chrissy, this is your time and space. To a Afalabi, this is your time and space. To a Paris, this is your time and space. But all of these people must be from that one man. Carry on reading. God did this so that they would seek him. Yeah. And perhaps reach out for him and find him. So you'd see that even the way God set up mankind was so that they can seek. You would see why I keep emphasizing to you that you must never become someone that stops seeking. Do not accept that bull crap from anybody. I had one time someone said to me that you do not need to seek for God anymore. I said, how? How are you not living every single day? Are you not challenged every single day? Is there not yet an information or a dimension of God that you do not yet know? Is there not much more for you to find out? Yet we say that we should not seek. And do you know what usually happens? Remember the nature because I, I, here's another point I need you to have in mind. That everything written before time was written for our sake. Scripture was a foreshadow of something. Scripture was showing us when we begin to look into the life of people like Abraham... It was showing us something for our life. That's why we speak on him or speak about him. Now, you see, when you look at someone like Abraham, whoever he was to become, remember I said to you the other day that he was on a journey to become, to become called or to become the father. Later, I'll take you to the scripture, Romans 4, when it says, against, against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed and so became uh, he became because he believed not because he is but because he believed he entered the role he was known eternally now oh i need you to hear this he was known eternally now as the father so look at this when we look at someone like abraham abraham's if we look at his life ever so closely scripture will say again in romans 12 that you should not live according to the pattern of this world but what god was looking for ultimately was the conformity to his son meaning that when he says do not live in this pattern there's a pattern he wants you to live according to Okay, we'll see if you heard that. Go on. Though he is not far from any one of us. So when we look at Abraham, before I move on from there. So when we look at Abraham, and Abraham even so being directed to the land of Canaan, 
he still didn't settle there. Scripture will later say to us that he was looking forward to something. We have seen it in Scripture. He's looking forward to the city whose architect and builder is God. Now, why is this? Why am I saying all of these things? It will sound like I'm saying many things. I want you to see something key, patterns. I want you to see that Abraham, even when given an allotment in the world or on earth, he was still, he will not settle where he is. You see why people stop seeking? It's because as they journey in life, something makes them settle. Finally, they've got the relationship they were looking for. They settle. They settle in their journey, the real journey that God has set them on, which is seeking. They settle. Someone gets a breakthrough of a certain amount of money and then they settle. Somebody gets into a place where they are now recognized by the world, by the community. They become, um, they become um, um, some form of celebrity. Then they settle. But here's the problem. These people are not meeting their full identity because God has it. That if Tony is really going to know her, herself, if she's really going to know herself, it cannot be outside of relationship and intimacy with God. And I need to remind you that I said to you that God is the only one moving. If you are not careful, you would have settled and he would have moved ahead of you. He would have moved ahead of you. I want you to now think closely as to why the chosen people of God will be known as the, the, the sojourners. They were only always on a journey. What was significant about this? Why is it that God shows us that when Moses asked for the revelation of the face of God, he had to see one thing that he did not get the chance to see was his face because he was moving. What God is looking for is, uh, no, let me not say it like that. God is our movement. It is in him. Carry on reading, go on. For in him, yeah. we live and move. In him, we live. In him, we move. So in case the scripture or when I was saying to you the other day that one cannot move by themselves, man is on a cycle journey. I told you that any man that has actually stayed away from God, what did I say to you? Look at the life of the Israelites, for example. The moment that they started to pull away from God, Scripture showed us that they started to wander in the desert. He start, they started to wander. From dust you have come, to dust you will return. The life and the destiny of a man that has not made the principle to seek out close relationship with God. They will keep trying. I'm not saying there will not be times that it seems like you've almost grasped what you are looking for or what you're in pursuit of. But you see the man that tries to run without God, they are only running in cycles of themselves. So in case you thought this was Pastor Obi yet again with his own opinion, scripture says it clearly that in him we live, in him we move. So again, why do we spend time in the word as we do? Because we know that every time we sit down in the word, what happens is that the word goes ahead of us and carves out, like I said to you the other day, it carves out. 
a space for us, an accommodation for us in God. Because if we're going to move, we must be in Him. Intimacy with God. So now carry on. What does it say? In Him we live. In Him we move. Go on. And have our being. And we have our being. Who Pastor Obi is will be discovered in Him. So God actually, if God desires, if like I said to you when I was speaking to you about the house of exchange, if God sees you as valuable, if you're a prized possession in his eyes, then God would definitely hold you back in certain areas because he knows that you cannot begin to run without him. And it is imperative to him that you get it. I want to speak to you about the son. But I also want to speak to you about Jesus. Someone will now say, are they not the same people? We'll see in scripture. Of course they are the same people. But I want to show you something. So carry on reading. Let's make sure that I have finished there. Go on. In him we live. Say it once more. For in him we live and yeah. move and have our being. And have our being. So in case you're looking for definition in any other thing. Why would a woman be frustrated if she cannot have the closeness with the man she wants? Imagine that scripture says that for you, Eve, your desire will be for your husband. P.T. said this the other day and he said, don't worry, you will get it. Your desire will be for your husband. Then you will see a woman by the well who kept looking for a husband. And she kept looking and was never satisfied. That's why she moved from one husband to the second husband, to the third husband, until the real husband came. <laughs> your desire, everything in your life, you'll be pursuing. You see, what you're looking for satisfaction in, you try to define it in something. And God says, uh -uh, that's not me. But because you cannot articulate what your heart is looking for, you defined it as a man. But God is saying that that's only an image, a shadow <laughs> of what you are looking for. That's only an image. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? For the Son is the image of the invisible God. This is where we're going. The Son is the image, the firstborn of all creation. Let me not go ahead of myself. Psalm 2. Let's start there. This is known as the royal psalm, in case you don't know. This is the, son of, this is the psalm of coronation. The psalm of appointment, of enthroning. Why did God enthrone somebody as king? Why will God enthrone you as king? I love the fact that the son, before Jesus was manifested, was not given a titled name. Times will call him Jesus. Times will call him Emmanuel. While Jesus Christ was living this earthly life, did anyone call him Emmanuel according to scripture? Talk to me. But they said he will be called Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Remember that I said to you that God does not want to manifest in what you produce. He wants to manifest in you. Okay, you'll catch me. Carry on reading. Psalm chapter 2. I want it in the NIV. Let's start from verse 1. Go on. Why do the nations conspire? 
And the peoples plot in vain. Why does the people, why do the nations conspire? Why do they do all these things? This is what the Lord is saying. Do these people not yet understand that without me, you cannot gain grounds? Why do you think that removal or separation from who you're meant to be connected, why do you think, why do you think, sorry, that you being a branch can remove yourself from the vine? You know, before you begin to attribute this to kings of old, I want you to think of your life. Why do you think that in your pursuit of a life, you can do that without God? That's what he's saying. Why do you think that? So imagine that any time, remember I spoke to you about the the confidential tone, the voice that others are not privy to hear. You know, as we sit here, you can be hearing Pastor Obi speaking or if you're tuned in, you can be hearing Pastor Obi speaking and physically you're silent, but your heart is noisy. There's a conversation ongoing there. Speaking other things. Someone will want to pursue. Why am I speaking about these things? Please, let me just take it back a bit. God is about to bless. We're at the eve of God's blessing. But like PT said to us, that the issue with when God brings prosperity is that it divides more than it unites. It divides more than even poverty. So God is actually ahead. You know, I can't remember the scripture reference, but I was reading this the other day where God will prophesy and then he said, now name to me anyone that told you this beforehand that you may know that I am the Lord. So the nature of God when he speaks to us is that he speaks to us ahead of where we are. It will be while you're in Egypt that he'll tell you about Canaan. It is while you're on earth that he will speak to you about the kingdom of heaven. God naturally speaks to you where he sees you or where you're supposed to be going. So you see, when we look at all of these things, when we take into consideration all these things, God speaks to us like this or in this manner because he knows ahead of you what you are to face. And the kind of things that you are to face are things that will make you consider movement without him. What was the main tool or what was the main reason as to Saul being removed as king? He had graduated in life. He had been promoted in life. There was a time when Saul could not do anything without God. But now pressure of life and I want you to know that these people that usually miss out on God are not in heart wicked people they're just people that forgot God do you remember the other day when I said to you that God's name is jealous and what God desires again we just read from Acts 17 I believe that the Bible says that he did all these things God actually set your life up so that you may seek him so the life of somebody that does not seek those are the people that God calls wicked these are the people void of understanding if you read the book of Psalms it says that the people void of understanding are those who do not seek him so now he says why does the world conspire why do the nations conspire with why does the people plot in vain why do you think again why do you think that you are a person that can gain grounds financially without God and my voice is meant to be annoying (laughs) 
my voice, the voice of God is meant to be what irritates you, what makes you know. It speaks life into where you are, meaning that if this is who you are, it will speak it until you change. But so that I don't make us lose track. So he says now, why did the nations conspire? Go on. And the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth rise up. Do you remember who the kings of the earth, who they are? God didn't call these people the king of Babylon. He did not call them the king of this place. But we know that we have been made unto him kings. And for you not to think, ah, uh, what, no, surely it must be Babylon. The scripture first tells us, and we're going to read it. What was, there, what was it that they were plotting in vain? Separation from God. You cannot plot separation from God if you are not first with him. I hope your ears will, hope, will open. So who God is speaking to is his children. Because again, why would the nations, why would he be rebuking those who are plotting to separate if they were never together with him? So yeah, before, like Saul, because everyone in scripture, as scripture says it, was written beforehand for our sakes. So how do I make sure that I do not follow the pattern of Saul? The one who was a servant for a time but cast away because only the son will remain in the house. Only the son, I'm quoting scriptures, only the son, the servant will eventually go, but it's the son that will remain in the house. So Saul showed us that he was only but a servant. Why? Because eventually the promotions that even God brought in his life eventually led him to a place where pressures of life made them make moves without God. How costly it will be for you and I to get to a place whereby we can do things without God. I can acquire things without God. But carry on reading. So that so why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up. They are growing. They are increasing. They are being promoted. But this is what they do. Go on. And the rulers band together against the Lord yeah. and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. Yeah. The, uh, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. I want you to underline that because now this is our key scripture. And I know you've heard this scripture many times, many times, but I want to show you something that I believe the Holy Spirit has laid on my heart to share. And in case you're thinking of context of this scripture, I go back to the word on PT on fatherhood. When PT started to show us the journey, you know, I want you to remember some of the recent things because Honestly, if I was going to name this, I was going to name this the father and the son. However, it's the son. What I want you to realize with this, and I want you to pay attention of, is think of all of these things. Think about the things that Pastor Toby has said to us recently. Let me share something that I've taken from scripture personally. I think I said to maybe Pastor Elohim or somebody that I'm reading the book of Proverbs. Was it you? 
And the book of Proverbs, you see, there's a lot of, as we, for, as we generally know the book of Proverbs to be, is a book of wisdom, right? But imagine wisdom is not without instruction. So it's actually a book more of instruction that is good for wisdom. Constantly you see the theme in scripture saying, my son, pay attention. My son, pay attention. My son, listen to the words of your father. Remember when P.T. spoke to us about the place as directed by the father. The place of sacrifice. Remember that P.T. also said to us, guys, again, why am I repeating these things? My duty as your leader is to amplify P.T.'s voice to you. And draw attention to the things that could go over your head. Why is it that PT will draw emphasis that there's a place that God wants to take and it can only be fathers and sons that go. The journey may start for a while with the father's sons and his servants. But there will be a point that the father and the son will have to dismiss the servants I speak to you in this manner therefore because God wants you to understand the role of a son so that you will not be missing from the next step on this nation family journey now what defines us as a son is what we're going to find in scripture today so all these things that I say to you so from again PT emphasizing that my son listened to the words of my father. So I said the other day that it was from constant look, constantly looking at that scripture that if I regard this conversation being between David and Solomon or Solomon and whoever, then I'm omitted from this scripture. But the Bible says that all scripture was written for our sake. And it was from the point of constantly reading the scripture that I realized that the Holy Spirit is actually saying to me, He's not saying, read, my son, hear the words of your father. He's actually instructing me, my son, hear the words of your father, Pastor Toby. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Scripture, you pay attention. Remember when we read, I think it was Mark 4.24, when I said that it's in the measure that you study and um, look out for spiritual truth, that you will have insight in return. So the more we look into scripture, the more we pray asking God, you know, every single time I come and speak to you, I ask God, God, I do not know what to say. I say to God, God, I don't know scripture. And it's that desire to know that he then begins to teach. So my duty again is to tell you that there's a reoccurring conversation going on in the nation family. When P.T. starts to speak about genealogies, he's talking about the family that God recognizes. Look at the genealogy in the book of Matthew that we read. It was, this was the father of this person. That was the father of that person. That was the father of that person. Then when you go to the Luke account, it says, now this is the son of this person. This is the son of this person. I hope you're hearing me. This is the, so God is emphasizing that whatever he wants to do next is only for fathers and sons only meaning that if you could not leave because there will be a time that you are a servant but then there's a day 
that you become the son. So when now we look at the scripture where he says, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. My question to you was, what was he the day before? Whoever was speaking here, who was he? Are you going to follow me? Those of you that are tuned in, I hope you're still with me. We've read the scriptures so many times. When the Bible says, I will declare the Lord's decree. He said to me. So if God said to me as Pastor Obi, you are my son. And today I have become your father. The question is, who was I before this decree? So what I'm trying to say to you is that if you have been a servant for a while, there's opportunity to become a son. But you see, you missed something and I need you to underline it. So start from verse 6 or I, verse 5 rather. He rebukes them in his anger. He rebukes the person that reveals that he's only a servant. Because remember, the servant will not dwell in the house forever. The servant won't dwell there forever. Meaning that there's in the house, yeah. If we look at the COD, and I pray this is not any of you, but here's the truth of the way scripture is. In the house, time reveals who is a son and who's a servant. The servant will grow to a place and then begin to go out. The son will abide forever. The son doesn't mind being a homeboy. Remember the other day when I, I showed you who the son is, the mature son. He's the one that does not do anything without the father. He says, I can do nothing by myself. He says that, again, when I'm speaking to you about the son, he says, the son can do nothing of himself, but only what he sees the father doing. This is the, this is the description of the son. But you see the servant, the servant at times, the servant at times can go out and Elisha can say, we're not collecting from this man. But the servant will say, uh-uh, I can't, you know, we what are you talking about so when Elisha is busy doing something else he can go Gehazi right he can go and do things by himself the, the servant sorry the servant is also someone again saw who gets to a place and he goes ahead of the, prof the prophetic message he goes and does things for himself God wants to keep us as a son but I want us to see the journey of the son and why I said that when we sang the song, you reign forever, king eternally. Why it means so much. Why when we get ready for tomorrow's service, service called yes, when we get into the place of worship, you can really now know the son. So that when you're worshiping, it's not you just singing a song that you aren't used to. But you now understand the depths of the words you're saying. Verse 5, go on. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion. Okay, so do you see what he used to terrorize them? To terrify them. Do you see what he used? In case you think what I'm saying to you is new, I spoke to you this in Revival Church. The tale of two sons. I told you that this was the royal psalm between Saul and David, right? Talk to me. And I said to you that, how did God terrify Saul? 
that I have raised another king. This king is different from you. This king, his seat will never be unoccupied. That was the promise that God gave David, that someone from his line, from someone from his lineage will always occupy the throne. Why? Because he had become a son. Saul will be removed. Why am I emphasizing this? Because I said, unless your mind is free, it will sound complicated. So you have to pardon me today for repeating. Saul was going to be the man, the servant that, you see, as much as he is the servant, he will only have a time to be there. So he can never be known as the king eternal. So he says, I would terrify him by telling him that there is a replacement. I would terrify him by telling him that there's someone better. I would terrify him to let him know that you are not all in all, that there's somebody, there's a, there's a replacement for you. And you see, as for this replacement, your loss gained him something eternal. I hope you hear me. Go on now. Look at what he says. So I terrify him in my wrath saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. If I were you, you would underline that. And read it through to verse 7. Go on. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth your possession. Now, let's, let's try to break this down. Because I don't want to spend too long with you. Now, let's break this down. The Bible says, you are my son. And do we agree that this son he's talking about is Jesus, right? Do we agree? Of course, that's the anchor of our faith. That Christ is the son of God. He came and lived here on earth as a human, born of a woman. But he died, but also he resurrected, re resurrected and he now lives forever. That's the anchor of our faith. But what does that mean to us? What does that really mean to us? How do we understand that as our faith? So now when he says, you are my son, I want you to now look at this. The problem with this scripture is that it will sound like he is creating Jesus. What does it mean to be begotten? Can you find me the, trans the definition, please? I want to take this part slow so you can hear me with the next part and what I'm trying to say because it's very simple and quick that if you don't hear it you'll miss it simple what does begot mean bring a child into existence bring a child into existence so we see this almost as the birthing of Christ the birthing of a created being. But the problem with that is that then we say that Christ is not eternal. The day that someone is born. So Remy, you was born when? 1998, right? Before then, did Remy exist? Did she? <laughs> People are looking at me like it's a trick question. She didn't. Or at least we thought she didn't. <laughs> the 
The problem is when we say that Remy's parents brought into existence Remy, we determined that her beginning is then. So if we agree that this is Jesus here, you are my son, we're saying that his beginning was there. But then we lose out on his, on his divine nature because he didn't... Jesus Christ is as much God. The son is as much God that we cannot say he has a beginning of days. He is, what's the word now? He is pre-existence. So he existed before time. I'm coming to you. This is why I'm having to take this now. So here's the issue. Throughout time, scriptures like Colossians 1. Let's read Colossians 1 quickly. We'll come back to this. Colossians 1 verse 15. The son. The Son is the image of the invisible God. Look, the Son is the image of the invisible God. I hope you hear me. I keep repeating this, but I do hope. The Son is the image of the invisible God. Then what? The firstborn over all creation. But he's the firstborn over all creation. Again, when we look at scriptures like this, it will look like he had the day he began. But he is God. So what does that mean, firstborn? What does it really mean? Read once more Acts 2, I mean not Acts 2, Psalm 2, verse 6 to 7. I have and finish it for me. I have installed my king on Zion, yeah. my holy mountain. Yeah. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Yeah. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You, you will, will dash, dash them, them to pieces, pieces like, like pottery. pottery. Therefore, Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son. Intimacy. Become one. Did you hear what I said? You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a saying in scripture that the two shall become one. Remember I've said to you in scripture also today that from one man came all the nations of the earth. From one man. And God so designed everything that it was going to be a setup naturally. That you seek him if you really want to know who you are. So now he says, kiss his son, become intimate, become one with him. Or he will be angry. And your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge, who live in him. So here's the issue like I've just highlighted. When I'm speaking to you about the son. When I'm trying to tell you that there's something being required from us as followers of Pastor Toby. Why did we go to the Rechabites on Thursday? That even God would test what makes them them. The Rechabites were people that you can see that they were different. Because covenant even determines the way they look. 
And God was going to test if they honor that covenant so that God can speak. So now, again, the issue here is that if we agree that this son here is Jesus, in the way that our minds can take it, Christ had the day that he began. And we can say, yes, he is supreme. But we can say he's ultimately still a created being. And that is still in an element wrong. What am I trying to say? If I say that Remy began in 1998, logically it's right. Spiritually it's wrong. For we live in him. Acts chapter 13. Let's answer this. Acts chapter 13. Um, let me see. I want everyone to get out their Bible so, so that we can see this together. It's very simple what I was told to do today. Acts chapter 13. I want us to start from... Let's just start with 26, actually. Fellow children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read, that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, mm -hmm. they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. Look at this verse now. But God raised him from the dead. Stop there. Who are we talking about here now? When verse 30 said, but God raised him from the dead, who are we talking about? Jesus, right? Yeah. The Bible says that they killed this man. But now verse 30 is going to be pivotal. It's going to be key for the setting up of each and every one of our lives. Yeah. What defines our faith? His resurrection. What gives us name? His resurrection. So scripture says, verse 30, but God raised him. So men killed him, but God raised him. God raised him from where? The, the dead. dead. Yeah. So we agree that this verse is speaking about Jesus, right? Yeah. Now carry on reading. But God raised him from the dead. Yeah. And for many days, he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. For many days, he was seen. For many days, people can testify that he lives. But look at where scripture takes us. Go on. From Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witness to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors. What God promised our ancestors yeah go on he has fulfilled for us he has fulfilled for you and i how their children we his children how by raising up jesus what defines us is the resurrection of christ this is why i worship this is why i do what i do 
Because had he not been resurrected, there's no definition and therefore no space for me in God. I would have been like everyone else saying that I was defined from 1993 when I was born. I would have known that I just came, I would have said of myself that I just came to be in. I would have said that I was just another created being. I would not believe that my genesis is God. My beginning is God. So I, for you to help, to, for, to help you, remember that when God looked at Jeremiah, he says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Meaning that you existed before you was given birth to by somebody. You're not hearing where I'm going. So he says, and it was there that I ordained you to be a prophet. So you see, the problem of the way your life is set up is that you only respond to here. You are defined by here. But you see in God's eyes, God called you whenever he called you before you were born. The reason why you was brought forth was because you first existed. So what does that have to do with anything regarding the son and what I'm saying to you today? But God raised him from the dead and Paul being a man that has seen the full picture of what God was trying to do and what God was saying through his prophets through the fathers through the ancestors he was trying to show something and Paul will come with the revelation hoping that there will still be a mind and person that tries to understand so today we're trying to understand Paul what is this revelation and Paul now explains this royal psalm what does he say verse 32 read for me we tell you the good news we tell you this good news yeah what God promised our ancestors what God promised our ancestors yeah he has fulfilled for us he has fulfilled for us their children yeah by raising up Jesus by raising again that's pivotal that's key he raised him and we were now defined we now know who we are now what does he say as it is written in the second psalm paul is now giving us revelation he's making it clear what second what the second psalm was saying you are what my son you are my son today i have become your father are you still confused i was let me tell you what he's saying here if we read it just in Psalm 2, verse 7, he terrified the king who was his servant because God has servants. Remember, he called King Nebuchadnezzar his servant. As much as he was his servant, a servant can also become a king. A servant can also occupy the world. They can also have wealth. But their time will go because a servant will not abide in the house forever. God says that as far as you're a servant, there will be a time that you cannot go. And usually what stops a person going to the next level is a trip. Oh, I was sitting there when PT said that what can hold someone down is their spiritual trips. Their trips that they do, their stumbling, which can be a missed instruction. And that can delay them for what, 10, 20 years because it's spiritual in nature. It sounds foolish to the flesh, but it's wise in the spirit. So because of that, someone can miss it. So look, the servant, one way or another, will find himself missing for the son to now come. 
Esau, as much as he was a son of Isaac, he was a servant of God. Meaning that he could have been in a house for a while, but something will happen that will make him trip only for Jacob to now be seen. Now, here's the issue. As we read Psalm 2 before we read Acts 13, which is the explanation of Psalm 2. When we read Psalm 2, it looked, and that's why I gave you logic, logical statements saying that if we say today, you are my son, today you've become my father, or I'm your father, that was the beginning. So we have a tendency to see Christ as having a beginning, but he existed forever. He is called the King Eternal. We've come to, uh, to Acts 2, or Acts 13, sorry. And the Bible says, but God raised him from the dead. So, this is what I want to say to you, so that I can now relate this with you and I. What Paul was explaining. Do you remember when I taught you, I think it was Periscope days, when I said to you that you see the New Testament um, 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 preachers, they explain. I told you that Peter, his first sermon was just the Holy Spirit enabled him to now explain everything that has been happening so that you can come to an answer. And what is this answer that God has brought us to? Look at what scripture says. Read it once more. I want you to see it from verse 30. Go on. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days, he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news, what God promised our ancestors. He has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus, mm. as it is written in the second psalm. As it was written in the second psalm. It was written in the second psalm. Please, I, I, you see, this is not the time I want us to be distracted at all, at all. Because like I said to you, what I, what I want to say to you is very, very simple and it can fly over your head. Look at what scripture says. Please read verse 30 once more. Goldie, you can come back in. Don't worry. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him yeah. from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. Yeah. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors... He has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus, as it is written in the second Why psalm. Why have I made us read this over and over again? Because unless you are looking for it, you will not see it. When P.T. showed us, I think it was Jeremiah 35, about the Rechabites, mm. he made a comment saying, doesn't it feel like you've never read this before? Mm. And he made the comment that the reason why you didn't see it is because you was not looking for it. Most of the times, we're not looking for what it means to be a son. We just want to take the title. We don't understand what it means. Again, like I've illustrated to you once before, that we quickly wanted to know what the apple was, or not the apple, the fruit was. So quickly we said, oh, it was this, it was that. But the only way to the answer is the how. It's you understanding being able to define it. So why I've repeated this over and over again is because if you have been paying attention, you would see that 
what was constantly attributed to the, decla- the, the decree of the king that today you are my son and I have become your father was Jesus' death. Jesus' death was in close. How can I say this? What, when God was speaking about today you have become my son and I am your father, he was talking about his death and resurrection. How does that apply to us? So God, when we read you are my son, he's not saying that this is an um, uh, ultimate created being because that still belittles who Christ is. What he's saying is that this was the day that I made him or I enthroned him or I installed him as the Messiah. You see, now, this is the reason why I've taken so long to get to this. Because I need you to hear this. Are you hearing me? When he said here, God raised him. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written. So, the raising up of Jesus is as it is written. And what was it that was written? You are my son. So, God actually says, sonship is the moment you died and resurrected so Jesus Christ you have a life that you've lived the moment you died and you were resurrected who actually resurrected this is now going to sound weird but hear me who has actually resurrected not just Jesus, the Son of God. The Son of God was, read the definition of begot again, please. <clears throat> Quick, quickly, quickly. <clears throat> to bring to birth, into existence. Go on. Especially of a man, bring a child into existence. Bring a child into existence. So, God actually saw that until... So, let me just say it simply. Pastor Obi, let me say it like this. Pastor Obi, until you die and are raised by my word, totally. Because his death was the prime expression of his obedience. Until then, the world will not see the sun again. When we're saying that the sun will return, it was God promising that Elakon will eventually be begotten. From Mount Zion, saviors will come. Why does there need to be saviors if there was a savior? The same reason why I said to you that it was from one man a whole nation was made. So Christ was the savior. Okay, for you to help to understand this, Romans 1, get Romans 1, stay at Acts 30, 13, but get Romans 1. Because this was how Paul was going to start even the book he gave to the Romans. If I'm going to speak to the Gentiles, Paul said to himself, if I'm going to speak to the Gentiles, this is the first thing I need them to understand. If they're really going to live accordingly, go on. 
Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, a servant of Christ Jesus, yeah. called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power. Can you read that again? Because I know you missed it once more. Go on, verse 3. Regarding his son, who as to his earthly life... This is regarding his son, who to his earthly life... Yeah. Was a descendant of David. He was from the lineage of David, according to the flesh. So he was called the son of David until he died and he can be empowered as the son of God. But read it. Go on. And who through the spirit of holiness... Through this Holy Spirit... Yeah. Was appointed... The son of God in power. Wait, wait, wait. Did you hear that? This is my whole point today. So I need you to open up your ears, guys. The son of God was not just a natural title. It was an appointment. So Pastor Obi can enter the son of God role. Office. The moment he dies and resurrects. So the appointment of God over your life. When you will now walk in the power of God, the provision of heaven is when you finally die to yourself. So when you hear me constantly speaking about the emotion that pulls you away, or when I speak about the selfishness that pulls you away, is I'm saying to you that there's a hope in the air. There's a decree. God is waiting. When he says that the son is coming again, he was actually saying, no, his children will show him again. He was saying that once you die, so the appointment of God over my life is the moment when I resurrect. It's the moment when it's the Holy Spirit, the word of God that raises me. That's when I become a son. So imagine that what we thought Christ did was not a created being. The son of God was not begotten. The son of God always existed. But you see, for him to be birthed into this realm was not when Mary gave birth. It was when God gave birth to him. How did God give birth to him? At the point of his resurrection. It says, then I will enthrone him. So if you go back to Psalm 2, I'll go back to Psalm 2. If we go back to Psalm 2 now, the Bible started, I told you to pay attention to verse 6 because again, you were not looking. That's why you didn't see it. He said, I have installed my king. On Zion, my holy mountain, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. And verse 8 will now be the coronation gift for the new king. This is the gift for you as my son. So, COD, this is what I'm saying to you simply. or This is what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. The office of the son. The installing of the son is not according to when you feel you are the son. It's not because I say or a leader say to us, oh, hi daughter, hi son. It's not true. It's political. Sonship is the day that you died. Pastor Obi and everything that defines me died. You know, I spoke to you before last year, family in service of a generation. And I said, how pleasurable, in quotes, it is for a man to have affectionate, 
convicted children who lend themselves to the desires of their father. PT said the other day, and I wrote it down, that a son will give up everything for their father. Remember when PT was saying, um, what was the word now? Complicit. Was it that word? Or however he said it, I can't remember. It was that word, right? He was saying this is someone that took up the consequences. He made up his mind that this is what we are. So what God is saying to us, and you can imagine I wanted to come and speak about something else, but God says, speak about the son. And you see that son, he is not in heaven hidden away from you. So look at this. What does that mean for us? Psalm 23. Though I walk through the darkest valley, that's what the NIV would say. Although I walk through the shadow, the, the valley of the shadow of death, how do I enter sonship? How do I reveal the son to the world? I die to myself. And I'm raised with his word, by his word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, look at what's most interesting about that. I said to you, and this is where I'll begin to end. I said to you that the Old Testament was written for our sake. And it's a shadow pointing to Christ. But it's almost like, this is how I view the scripture. Christ is like in the middle. The Old Testament is coming to meet him here. We now know him and it's like we're coming to meet him. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. What's interesting about, for example, Moses, was that if Moses is going to do anything pleasing to God, the Bible says that you should do according. So let's take, for instance, the building of the temple. The building of a life, the, the erecting of a building, the resurrection of a building. Let me say this. The Bible says that God said to Moses, you will only build according to what you have seen. You will only build or can only build according to the pattern seen in heaven. When you were on the holy mountain, there was a pattern I showed you. It's only that pattern that you can show here on earth. So, have you ever taken, have you ever thought that Isaac had to die before being blessed as the son that everyone will be blessed by? The Bible says that Isaac was taken to a mountain where it was only the father and son that can go there. The father would then kill Isaac the Bible, we would say he didn't kill him. No, the Bible says that figuratively speaking, he received him back from the dead. And it was at that point that the Bible says that it was fruit. Now the offspring, your offspring will be blessed. So what am I showing you here? What God now says simply to us is that we should constantly, when Paul began to say that I may know the power of his resurrection, what was he doing? Imitating his death. You can't be alive and know the power of the resurrection because the power of the resurrection came into action when he died. So daily, what made Paul take the world? God gave him nations because he was a son. You are my son. Today I've become your father. What made him a son? I die daily. Is this too complicated? 
So what God is actually saying to us is that, look, I walk in the power and the authority of the son when I die and I allow his word to raise me. You see, this Isaac, so what am I saying? So Paul began to tell us things and I could keep going on, but I'm going to leave it with this. I could keep going on. Paul would begin to say things now, imitate me. But he told them, I die daily. So he says, imitate. So I realized from Moses to us, we are meant to imitate his death. So do you know why I give? It's an imitation of sacrifice. I imitate it and I walk in the power of the authority of the son. I can call life to all things because I imitate his thing. Explains why God said he is his son after Jesus came up from baptism. You see, this is why I said we can go on because I would have taken you to again Luke 3, um, Mark, or Mark 1, I believe, or so. Like Pastor Indidi has just said, you would see that the only places where God will call Jesus his son was after he showed an imitation of death. So the only places you would see, you are my beloved son, was where, look at what happened. He was taken out of the waters. And we are told that that's it, that we died. When we baptized, we died with him. God made it simpler for us. Abraham showed it to us. We just didn't see it because we was not looking for it. What makes us the son by whom the nations of the world will be blessed? Because there's still a gospel being spoken to us. What makes us a son is that we allow ourselves to imitate this sacrifice so and God's promise is that look this is why I know we will not lack we will not be humiliated we will not be put to shame it's because scripture says that I will not allow you because you died and relied on me I will not allow you to see the case so imagine let me make it practical we want to get a house it makes sense that we should save up life I mean money save it up so that we can get it but we practice the image of death, relying on his words to raise us. And what happens? We become the son. And he says, you will not see the case. So even as much as we are practicing, imitating death daily, we will not die actually. We will not decay. We will not rot. We will not be put to shame because the reason why we voluntarily died was because of his promise of his word. So Jesus allowed the water, the words, to reveal and birth him. Exactly. So today I've used this to speak to you about the son. Because God is bringing us to a place of maturity. So before we can say, I'm a son, I'm a son. Are you really? Because you see the son in his finances will imitate death. But they will imitate death. Not be, so I don't give because someone's charging me saying, oh, we need to submit tomorrow. No, what? I, God forbid that I will be the, I, I'm a giver based on that. It means I don't know the position of the son. It is me looking, seeking the son, looking to be one with him. And again, I would have taken time, the moment when he's talking about kiss the son, I would have gone back to when PT was taking us through the songs of songs. That there will be a time that they're saying, come, be one with him. And you would have taken too long and realized he's gone. He says to us simply that every time you imitate. So again, when we look at the royal psalm, Psalm 2 verse 7. 
or from verse 6, he says, I have installed. He went on to verse 7 to explain the installation of that king, the installing, the appointment of that king, of that son, because the son is now the one he made king eternally. God is saying to us that I can appoint you to your generation as the image of the son. Should you die for my word. And dying for my word is, I don't have a say for my life. This is what people don't understand. And this is why I love someone like Paul. He called himself. Imagine that Christ gave him freedom and he brought himself back to bondage. He said that I'm the prisoner of Christ. Meaning that I, the only place I can move is based on Christ's release. Meaning if Christ instructs me to do this, I can only do it. We are the sons yet to be revealed. His second coming is speaking that I will show myself through you. Do you understand this COD? What is the world waiting for? Why is it that it's in this time that God has given us a word after word speaking to us in the manner that he's speaking to us is because he's getting ready to reveal his son. The only people that will have a chance to speak, the only people that will have a place tomorrow are those who entered that place of sonship. And you can make up your mind to be a son today. Someone would say, oh, does it take 10 years? No, it takes for you to die to yourself. So daily I can walk in the office of a son. And you know the days that you didn't walk in the office of a son because when sin came, you chose yourself. So you was not in the authority and power of the son. God says to us that you will not see the K, meaning that your finances will not rot away. Your, your, the things that you're doing will not rot away if you died because of the promise you found in scripture. So yeah, I was, I was saying to someone logically, and when I said logically, it's because that, uh, we're going to go to Romans 4, um, verse 18. But find me the translation when it says, and Abraham saw it logical that God can raise his uh, Isaac. Okay, he can raise him from the dead. I said to someone the other day or yesterday that is logically speaking, there are no houses available. And there's no, in quote, money for it. But you see, logic really now for me is my faith. And that's not me saying, oh, money's just going to fall from the sky. It's just that just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it isn't. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So God has convicted me. He has, look, he has persuaded me. He has given me the assurance that what you're looking for is there. So if I'm not giving it to you, it's because that's not the focus I need the son to have. Kiss the son. Become one with him. Just to make it simple, simple for you today, imitate the son. Imitate the son. So Isaac was the blessing or from whom people will be blessed. So I just need an Abraham, a pastor Toby, to constantly put me in a place that's requiring my sacrifice. And that was what would, will cover me or wrap me in the authority of the son. Because the son is begotten it's an office it's an installing place have you found the translation i hope you have please 
Read it. Let me see. Abraham's faith made it logical to him, that's him that God could raise Isaac from the dead. And symbolically, that's exactly what happened. Exactly. So until your faith becomes logical to you, why you're at conflict today is because it's not really, the faith has not fully persuaded you. I am full of faith that COD is about to rise in a power and glory that people who walked with us from Galilee to Jerusalem meaning that they saw your journey they saw your mourning they saw your sacrifice they saw that you was leading you was going to the place of death everything you were doing daily was leading you they were witnesses of it but we're about to rise in power and glory as the sun if we can make up a mind, so from the fortress to the helper's house, to the, um, the house of prosperity, the house of exchange, to the house of influence, to the house of consultants and all the houses, you must be teams and the agreement there must be we die together. Do you understand that? We die together because we know that we will be raised as the sun. I want us for a moment, we're going to pray. I said to you that I want us to pray. And the prayer is now, look, what does dying mean and all of these things? It, it, again, it was, I, I tried to show the scripture. I keep forgetting his message. I keep forgetting the scripture when the Bible says that Christ actually did all of this. The, the, it was when he said that the, the chief of this godless world is the message. is coming. Maybe John 14, I'm not sure. And he says, that, no, not, it's not John 14. Is it John 14? Huh? He says that the chief of this godless world is coming, but he has no claim on me. But I do all this, if you're there, read it for me. I've told you this ahead of time before it happens, so that when it does happen, the confirmation will deepen your belief in me. I'll not be talking with you much more like this because the chief of this godless world is about to attack. But don't worry. He has nothing on me. He has nothing on me. Go on. No claim on me. No claim on me, yeah? But so the world might know how thoroughly I love the Father. I am carrying out my Father's instructions right down to the last detail. That's what makes the Son. He was just looking for opportunity to display his love for the Lord, which was the obedience to his instructions. So there's a voice in you that is the still light. And that voice is leading you to sacrifice. It's leading you to be, to be selfless rather than selfish. It's leading you to be sacrificial. And if you can take heed to that voice... If you can just respond to him and sometimes he will ask you to do things that you feel that you don't even have the resources to do. God says when you start walking, you will find the resources along the way. You will find what you need to obey him fully. But if we are going to enter that position as a son, we have to know that that son is not just a person to the side. We are now sons the moment we die and allow him to resurrect us. I want us to open up our mouths and to begin to pray over all the houses. And we're going to go into a moment of worship. I want us to go into a moment of worship. 
So we're going to pray for like a minute, two minutes or so. Just pray in the spirit. You're, re, you're, you're setting yourself before the Father again. Saying that you can take pleasure in me because I'm willing to lend myself to the desires of you, my Father. I'm willing to die for your gain. And God's promise in turn is that you won't actually face the sting of death. But you will prosper in glory. I want you to open up your mouths wherever you are and begin to pray in the Spirit. Those of you here, I want you to begin to pray in the Spirit. Amen. As we get ready to go into a place of worship, I really feel that this is what we were meant to do in preparation for tomorrow's service, but not only in preparation for tomorrow's service, but in preparation for God's new move. God, again, if you're looking to title this, I think we will have to title it Imitating the Son. Because all God asks us to do, again, when we read Psalm 2, and maybe just to make you understand this once more, when we read Psalm 2, verse 7, it's easy to know that that was talking about Jesus. But if you're not understanding the fullness of the scripture, you would think that that was um, the begottenness, let me say, of a created being. And you know, the moment that we say is the begottenness of a created being, we're saying it's isolated. Meaning like there's no other glory. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. It's like there's no other glory. But that's not what scripture says to us. He is the firstborn. He is the first son. But we too are sons and daughters. Now how do we walk in that? It's understanding that this psalm is actually speaking about the 
begottenness of his resurrection. The introduction into the world. What God is saying is that, you know, so you will now understand, or maybe this will lead you to looking more into the scriptures when Paul kept looking for, and he kept talking about this body terrestrial and the extraterrestrial or all these things. He was saying that, look, there's another body, there's another life after this. You can access a new power. And you can say when he's talking about dying every day, he's because Christ died for us physically, like he because it can only be what has happened in heaven. The death of Christ can only be what has happened in heaven. He was slain from the beginning. For us now, because he was slain, all we have to do is imitate that in order to be recognized as him. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So in our life, COD, we must be sacrificial. It's the way that we enter life, really. It's the way that we really know who we are as a being. So I want, when we worship today, I want you to actually see yourself crossing from death to life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because if again, it was in a manner of speaking that he died and God accepted that, it means that if we in our hearts can just by faith believe that we're imitating it, it will be accepted. So from now on for me, I would never look down on giving because I would just see every giving as my imitation. So I get why David would say, I will not give to God what doesn't cost me. What doesn't cost me. If I can't see that there's consequences to what I'm doing, I won't, I won't even do it. If I feel like this is just easy, I won't do it. Because I know that it's in my death that there's the coronation of the sun. There's the enthroning of the sun. And at that moment, I will have the rights to all privileges as the sun, the nations are given to me. Choir, when you're ready, I want us to worship. And again, why am I taking my time with this? I don't want you to rush it. I want you, as you worship, make it up. Because again, where we're entering, and it may mean nothing to you right now, but the next glory the next page of the nation family cannot include servants. There will be a place of revelation that's only for fathers and sons. And after they've worshipped and met the revelation, yeah, they will come back to the servants. But you see, you will never hear of the servants again. They will never have the chance to be sons. I want to be a son. And this is why we take our time.